with a very warm welcome no to fear. Ray as he comes and speaks. Yeah, I'm all Hello, right. Mr. Liu. Okay, okay. There we go. Now, those of you who are new to Emmanuel, uh, it's well over here since Ray last visited us. He has been part of our family, part of our journey for nearly 30 years, Ray and Sue. <laughs> and uh, he has had that apostolic oversight over us. So who we are today is very much his fault. <laughs> That's the way I look at it. But we're delighted to have Ray and Sue with us. So, Father, we just thank you for this servant of God. We just thank you for the way his desire is to serve us. And we just ask now, Lord, that you'll just give him tremendous freedom and liberty as he shares with us what you place upon his heart and let your word find a rich soil in which to bear much fruit. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. <laughs> Hi, folks. <laughs> it's nice to be with you again. always feel at home here. don't feel like a visiting preacher. So it's, it's great. And... Uh, um, and uh, yeah, I want, I want to share something with you. I, 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 whether, I don't know whether it's my age or not, which I won't tell you what it is, but I'm on a bonus truly now. But I seem to be waking up in the middle of the night more than I ever did. Is that, is that when you get older? Yeah, and, and I, you know, and a couple of weeks ago I was, uh, I was woken up and uh, I was, I was thinking and some verses of scripture, um, came to me. Um, and, uh, I just want to open them up to you. Um, Acts chapter 28, if you've got a Bible, but I'll read it to you anyway. Acts chapter 28. And, uh, from, um, from verse 7, I think. And it's, it's Paul. He's in a place called Malta. Anybody ever been to Malta? It's a nice place for a holiday, is it? Malta? Right. Yeah, lovely place. Okay. And it, it was, it, I was thinking of this time when he was there. Remember, he'd been shipwrecked. And now he's, uh, he's now on, on terra firma. He's safe. And he's, uh, winning some favour with the guy that's, uh, obviously is one of the Roman, um, big knobs there, really. Um, and it says this, there was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and for three days entertained us hospitably. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. Wow. They honoured us in many ways, and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. And really it was this, this um, being with this guy, Publius, and his father that was obviously um, seriously ill, and it says that Paul went, he prayed, but he healed him. And what occurred to me was this, Paul had no doubt this guy was going to be healed. <laughs> had no doubt. I thought about myself, I thought, well, I pray for the sick, and I've seen 
some serious healings in my time, but I don't have this faith. I have hope. I remember praying for a girl who was deaf once. Didn't know she was deaf. Uh, in fact, I was spending time with a mother who I was going to have to put out of the fellowship, which was so it was not a blessing when her mother said, I know you've got to do it, Ray, but you must do it. And I thought, this is not... And she said, but will you pray for my daughter because she's deaf? I said, I didn't know she was deaf. She lip-reads very well. And I said, I got her to stand in with her back to me. I clapped, I shouted, and she didn't... I did. I made a phone call, I wanted to check. Then I prayed, and God just healed her. Now, that was not faith on my part. That was faithfulness on the part of God. Um, as it was, she went back to the man she was living with, who I thought would get saved. Instead, he committed suicide. It, life is a funny thing, isn't it? But it was a healing, and I've, I've seen, I've been there around once or twice, particularly in Mexico, when the dead were revived. But you know, I don't have this sort of faith. I have to be honest with you, when I pray for the sick, I hope they will be healed. Does that make sense? I'm being honest with you. I thought, well, hold on. How did Paul have such faith? How could he go in and know that Jesus would heal him? So where does faith come from? And that's really what I want to try and talk about this morning. Because when you go through the Gospels, you find the disciples themselves say to Jesus sometimes, will you increase our faith? And we'll look at that a little bit, a little bit later. And then I thought of Paul's, the history of Paul over the few years before he actually ends up in Malta. It goes something like this. He went to Ephesus, which is a pretty tough place. There were riots. He would have been lynched had he not hid himself away. I think he was probably imprisoned there. We, we don't fully know, but um, I think he wrote some epistles from, from Ephesus. I think he was in prison. Uh, scholars differ over that. Then he goes up to Jerusalem, and there's riots again, and he's nearly lynched again. And uh, even though he'd been warned by Agabus, I don't think Agabus was warning him so that he wouldn't go. I think Agabus was just saying, chum, you're going to Jerusalem. Let me just tell you, you better prepare yourself. Because you're going to, you're in trouble. That's not, that's not a good history, is it? You don't volunteer for this stuff. You know, there are attempts made on his life to assassinate him. He then goes to Caesarea, he's under house arrest for two years. And then again, assassination attempts, and then he appeals to Caesar. And so he goes on this journey to Rome, and then (laughs) that's horrendous. He's shipwrecked, and even when he lands on this island, and they're making a fire, this serpent attaches itself to... Think, hold on, and what hit me was this. This man had gone through so much that he'd come to a place where he trusted Jesus implicitly. 
Do you agree with that? I think that's, I think that, yeah. You have to look at context, don't you? You have to look back and say, well, how did, so how did he get to that, to that place? Because he'd come to a place that he had faith, faith in Jesus. Of course, Paul never met Jesus, as far as we know. He didn't know Jesus in the way that the disciples did. But in actual fact, he came the same way as the disciples did. I think sometimes we think, because Jesus was with them physically, (laughs) their way was very different from ours. But it's not true, folks, because we have his spirit with us. He's as much with us here now by his spirit than he was with them in his physicality okay i think i think we need to understand that otherwise we think well they were in a better position than than we are if that was so then john would not have said we are to walk even as jesus walked so this whole thing of of making us into disciples that are as effective and perhaps even more so than they were and I think Mark helps us I I love Mark and Luke I've done a lot of teaching on discipleship over the years and I find these two give us so many insights as to how um, Jesus did it so I want to just turn to Mark uh, chapter 4 I'm going to read quite a bit here you know the story I think this is a I think this is an amazing um, encounter or several encounters so from verse 35 that day when evening came Jesus said to his disciples let us go over to the other side so what did he mean by that what did he intend we're going to get to the other side that's important to know that leaving the crowd behind they took him along just as he was in the boat there were also other boats with him. We don't, it, we don't know what happened to the other boats. I have to think about that. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was ne- they were nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet be still then the wind died down and it was completely calm he said to the disciples why are you so afraid i think that's a stupid question but i'd be careful sorry lord do you still have no faith they were terrified and asked each other the question that you must ask yourself sometimes who the dickens have i got involved with here isn't that right? Don't you ask that sometimes? Of course you do. If you don't, then you can't be doing anything. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Well, if that was bad, they got more to come. 
So they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. And the man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with chains. For he had often been chained, hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. This was ugly. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of the voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you will not torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What's your name? My name is Legion, he replied. Uh, Do you know how many soldiers make up a Roman legion? 600. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying there were 600 demons here, but what I do believe, he was probably the most demonized man that's ever lived. My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. This is, this is, he's not going to make himself popular with our pig farmers here now at this moment. A large herd of pigs were feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the evil spirits came out of them and went into the pigs. The herd of about 2,000 in number rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town on the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demonized, demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well, their pigs. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Can you believe that? As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed. Uh, this passage of scripture is one of my favourites in the New Testament. The ma- As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said to him, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had such mercy on you. So the man went and began to tell in the Decapolis, that was ten, that was ten Greek towns, how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. Lord Jesus, we love these scriptures and Lord, we long to see it in our own time, in our own town in our own city, in our own nation. So we pray now, just help us to learn something, Lord, where we can multiply our faith. Please, Lord. Uh, Amen. Well, again, if you go back into Mark, you'll find that Jesus has, has, has had a busy time. He's been teaching for days. And in his humanity, like you and I, he's clapped out. He needs a break. 
and he needed to go somewhere where the Jews weren't going to follow and they apparently they don't like going where there's pigs so I guess that's why they went over to this this place that sounds uh, logical um, uh, to me and uh, this crazy storm anybody been across the Lake of Galilee? yeah? I have I am glad to say uh, it was calm when we were there. But it did occur to me as we were going over on this sailing boat that maybe I thought, Lord, I don't need to, I don't need this experience. But uh, but some commentators suggest that there was probably something quite supernatural about this. Story. Well, what's at stake, folks? What's at stake? There's a huge amount at stake. And... Uh, we have an enemy who knows about what's at stake. And so, yes, there may have been something quite supernatural. But these guys were hardened sailors. And for them to be in fear in the way that they were, um, it must have been something quite uh, quite out of the, the ordinary. And so they wake, they wake Jesus up. And he, and he, and he says, why, why are you so afraid? I think, why are they so afraid? Because they, they're just about to go down and, and, and die. And then he says to them, have you still no faith or have you such little faith? I think that is rude. <laughs> I really do. I really do. I think Jesus is unreasonable. <laughs> They've just given up a lucrative fishing business. These guys were middle class. These guys had a fishing business. Um, These guys had given up everything to follow him. So what does he say to them? Have you still such little faith? I tell you why. Because he wants their faith to increase. He wants them to grow in faith. Wants us to grow in faith. And they, no wonder they look at one another and say, How have we got involved with. That's why we have to grow up and mature, folks. Because if we don't, and we, because people say to me, Well, Jesus just died so our sins could be forgiven. Now, I don't think I'm being heretical here. Let me tell you why Jesus came. He didn't didn't come so that he would die and our sins would be forgiven. Yeah, that's part of it. He came to please the Father. That's why he came. Because it was the Father's good pleasure. What are we here for? To live a life that pleases the Father. I can't do it without faith. I can't do the things that are promised to to me as a disciple of Jesus unless I have faith because I need I need faith to actually lay hold of what God has laid hold of me and you for. A friend of mine many many years ago I respected very very deeply. He was he was a bit strange but he was a man of faith. But he said to me, Ray, it doesn't matter if you, if, even if you fall, but at least you're going in the right direction. <laughs> and that's always stuck with me. I thought, yeah, because I, I, sometimes I look at myself and I don't like what I see. Where do I go with that? If I haven't got someone 
to go to and I thought, you know, what was shared this morning about him running to us was it's wonderful. If I haven't got somebody who's running to me, I'm just going to be deeply depressed. But no, even even when I'm struggling and falling and not, I don't like what I see inside. There's someone who says, doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's all dealt with. Come on, come on. There's more, there's more. And that's what he's saying to them here. So this, I can just, I can just imagine Peter and John getting to the shore and saying, wow, what was all that about back there? I've just never known a squall like it. That, is, that was frightening. And then perhaps it's James who says, hold on. What's that on the horizon? Oh, blimey. That guy hasn't got any clothes on. He's starkers. And he's swinging a chain. And he's coming our way. And he's screaming. He's ugly and he's got blood all over. Let's get back in the boat. But Jesus, he delivers this man. The most demonized man. He delivers him with a word. And then, and this is the bit of the story I love. What was this guy's name? Well, I mean, the demons were called Legion, but what was this guy's name? We don't know. He's one of the great evangelists of the New Testament. We don't even know his name. That's typical of Jesus, isn't it? In an hour, this is the big miracle. In one hour, this man is delivered. He's in his right mind. And he says to Jesus, I'm coming with you. And Jesus said, no, you're going to be an apostle. Go and tell your family. Well, he did, but he did more than that. <laughs> he got faith. <laughs> He'd received something. And that those ten Greek cities. So before the disciples were sent out on mission themselves, this guy, and there was a few women as well that had done it, <laughs> this guy was, was evangelizing. Telling the wonderful story. Wonderful, wonderful story of, of Jesus. Transformation. One thing that we're certain of is this. By the time the disciples got to the, back to the other side, they had more faith than they had before they went. You agree? (laughs) but if they didn't he'd have to do it all over again with them and they weren't up for that (laughs) but it's true isn't it they'd gone through something that was horrendous was 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 life-threatening something that was beyond their capabilities something they couldn't deal with but they saw Jesus do it and so by the time they got back across to the other side something had taken place had taken place um, within them And the key is in verse 35 of Mark 4. It says, Jesus said, let's go over to the other side. They didn't have faith when Jesus said that for them to cope with what was going to take place. But when they came back, they did have faith because... They came to the place 
where they believed what Jesus said. And that's the place we've got to come to, folks. And it's a hard place to come to. Let's be honest. That what he, what he says, he actually means. So if he says to us to do something specifically, he, he means that we're going to do it. And he also is going to give us the resources to enable us to do that. Isn't that wonderful? That's, that's, that's who we've hooked up with, by the way. This one that can speak to the wind and, and to the waves. So now they have more faith. So what does he do? Well, if we turn over to Mark chapter 6, again, and verse, uh, um, well, about verse 5. He now tests it out. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He said to them, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. So what they'd seen him do, he's now giving them authority to do it. This is pre-Pentecost. And people might think, well, how did they did it pre-Pentecost? Because he's God, for goodness sake. Whether it's the Father, the Son or the Holy Spirit, it really doesn't matter. Do you understand that? So he's given them a pre-Pentecost anointing, if you like, to go and do it. So what, did, what happened? They, these were his instructions. And he was, as, he was as concerned about them obeying the instructions as he was about doing works of wonder. These were instructions. Take, take, no, n- take nothing for your journey except the staff. Wow. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet. Some of us need to learn that one, folks. Some of us, we waste a lot of time with people who really are not interested. Because there are folk out there that are. Yes. Then they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and they healed them. That was the outcome of what they'd been through on the lake. And it was worth it, wasn't it? Well, they didn't think so at the time because they didn't know what it was going to be, 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 be all about. So for Paul, it was, it was the same. He didn't have a physical Jesus with him, but he had the spirit of Jesus with him. And that is the same for us as well. Because faith comes from trusting. And trusting, unfortunately, <laughs> comes from experiences where we've had to go through things. And, you know, we are, we, we are facing, we are facing challenges, aren't we? I, 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 technology. If, I mean, I lose my sanctification regularly. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm 80 years of age. You know, this, <laughs> Do you ever panic? Anybody ever panic here? Come on. I panic. Do you know what I panic about? Cars. I panic about cars. 
So Sue and I were in France. We've gone to France and we're going to Spain. We're visiting an old colleague of ours who's, who is leading a church in Paris and uh, now he's retired down there um, in Provence. Very nice place to visit. But we visit and he's not doing too well. He's recovered actually, but that's good. And then we drove up to near Montpellier, which is in the southern. We, we have a house which we don't... Uh, we've had it for many years, but we haven't lived in it for four years because we have a daughter who's taken it over instead. And then we go down to Spain and we, we drive nearly about 3,000 miles. Actually, we don't mind driving. We quite quite like it. We like to stay in different places and mooch around. 200 miles out from Calais. Ah, fluid is leaking. Now, I panic because... I've broken down several times in France. Once, I, we had a breakdown of, I had to wait 10 days for the car to be repaired. It wasn't repaired. Someone brought us one from England. We took it down to Spain and it broke down again. That car broke down. So me and cars, I panic, so I'm panicking. But Sue's full of faith. Come off the motorway, she says. We're off the motorway. She knocks on the door. We're in the middle of nowhere. Where's there a garage? Two meters, two kilometers down the road. It's not a petrol garage, it's a repair garage. And he gets some coolant and fills it up, gives us some more. And then every time I stop, I buy buy coolant. (laughs) I think I ended up with about five liters of it, most of which went in the car, and we eventually got it home. But I I thought to myself, Ray Lowe, you are a pain at times. How many times have you broken down in France? Well, at least three or four. And did you always get home? Yes. Sometimes it took days. But on this occasion, we got back and the car's going in. That's why I'm driving a very nice car out there, BMW, which is not mine, by the way. Um, It's my son-in-law's. But, but it's this thing, this panic. But when I look back on it, I thought, Lord, why? Because you've you've been so faithful you're so trustworthy and my wife doesn't panic she just doesn't she just doesn't panic (sighs) so so I'm going to finish here somewhere in a moment actually reading your bible saying your prayers, being very spiritual and having a ministry doesn't give you what I'm talking about, by the way. I wish it did. Because I love to study the Bible. I love the commentaries. I love church history. You know that. I I love the academic. It's superb. And uh, so I could spend my my whole day studying and preparing. But you know, it, it doesn't do, it doesn't give you faith. It's the application of what you're reading or studying that gives you faith. Do you agree? That's, that is ever so important. Because sometimes, you know, we, we, we do, you know, we, we listen to people who are great speakers, we enjoy, you know, their lectures, and, and you can, you can, you can make an assumption, wow, they must really be, but, but no, it's, it's the, it's the application that, 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 that counts. It's got to do with life. I worked into Hungary um, in the communist days. I, there was a church that I got involved with quite quite miraculously, quite sovereignly. It's, I haven't got time to tell the story. I've only got a few minutes left. But I went there ten times in um, two years. 
Um, and uh, one of the times, this is in the early 80s, um, I'm, I'm a Western fan. I'm a John Wayne, don't confess John Wayne fan. I love John Wayne. And I was watching a movie, a, a black and white movie with these friends, this uh, minister and his wife. She was the leading heart specialist in Hungary, so they were um, ni- very nice people, excellent people. And we were watching this, this black and white movie. And it wasn't John Wayne, but it was Burt Lancaster. Anybody know who Burt Lancaster was? Ha- come on, put your hands up. No, no, nobody over there has heard of Burt Lancaster. <laughs> And Bert Lancaster was speaking in Hungarian, which is like nothing on earth. To say goodbye, you have to say something like "Fish on Landershire." It's it, it just off. Oh. And so I'm I'm yeah I'm a fan of these westerns, and um, this happens to me regularly when I uh, land generally at Heathrow and I'm waiting for my luggage. I can tell you my luggage has been to places over the years where I've never been. <laughs> And I've always got this fear at my luggage, and it's always last. It always last. So I'm at this, I think you call them carousels or whatever. I'm waiting for my luggage to come, and I am there. I'm not panicking, but I'm just hoping. And there I am, and there's just me and somebody else. And I look round. And guess who it was? He was huge, had this big rain, dark raincoat and jeans on. He must, I don't know what size he was, he was huge. It was Bert Lancaster. No, seriously. Now I don't miss a, I don't miss a chance. I'm, I'm not shy like that. And I just said to Mr. Lancaster, I, I didn't know you spoke Hungarian. <laughs> he said, neither did I. <laughs> I said, well, I saw you a couple of days ago. <laughs> Black and white movie, and I can't remember the name of it now. Anyway, we got chatting, and it was great fun. And eventually, yeah, these two suitcases came through. But I said to him, I said, how is it? How do you cope with people like me that always want to talk to someone like you? And, and he looked at me and he said, son, it's life. Do you know what? That stayed with me. Because what this, this Christian stuff, it's not about all this, the study and the academic and all the rest of it and our knowledge. It's about life. It's coping with life. And, and that's how we grow in faith. Even when we fail, we, we grow. Because we, we, because as we heard this morning, we, we have a saviour, we have a lord, we have a Jesus. That he's always there. In fact, I think he loves it when we are going through it. In reasons beyond, we have a, a value which I don't like. Steve Oliver knows, it's alright. It's that one that says we're here for one another's success. I don't like that. Because you don't need me when you're succeeding. I don't need you when I'm succeeding. I much prefer we are here for one another. Because there are going to be times when I'm going to need you. I'm going to need my friends. I'm going to need those who can put an eye on it. I don't know the history of the couple who have, you know, their little boy was dedicated, but I gather they've gone through some pretty tough times. They didn't need you in their success. They needed you in their time their time of need 
and God wants us to grow in faith. But we will go through some circumstances. And uh, I've, got, I've got five minutes. So I'll, I'll tell you a story. And I'll finish with this. Um, it was this holiday in France that we went to and cars broke down and eventually we had two crippled cars we had to get home instead of one. Sue drove one, I drove the other. And uh, uh, I was complaining and grumbling the whole time. I felt really hard done by. When we got home to Biggin Hill, what had happened, one of the elders' kids, a daughter, young girl, had been diagnosed with leukaemia. And it was pretty, pretty difficult time. But uh, a young guy that was with me called Pete Corpass, anybody know that name? We used to call him Pete the Prophet. He was a Greek, Greek Cypriot. Uh, plant, we planted with him and then we, he planted a church in Larnaca and he's still doing some of that stuff. But Pete the Prophet said, I've heard from God, if we fast and pray for three days, this, this kid will be healed. So we got home and the church is in rejoicing. I'm grumbling about the holiday. The kid was the kid was healed. I felt lousy. You miserable person, Raylo. <laughs> you feel hard done by because a car broke down. Whereas back home, the church that you left behind for your holiday, they were facing this and they faced it. They, they believed God and God came through and I knew that one day God's going to put me through this again I knew it, I knew it some years later I'm with Alan Vincent in India, been away I don't know, several weeks Um, I always found India a bit of a tough tough place to be to be honest and we're we're getting ready to go home, we're there at Bombay which they now call Mumbai and we're getting on the plane and as it goes down the runway getting to the place of takeoff, boom an engine goes fortunately we were just at the place anyway it returns and we all unload and when you say to Indians form a queue that's a joke I think we had about 350 queues nine hours later we are told the plane is now ready I hear a conversation between the engineer and the pilot and the pilot says this plane is not fit and the engineer said they need it in Damascus, there's a war on so I'm thinking oh what is going on anyway hurtling down the runway again boom (laughs) puts in a nice hotel but we can't phone home and we're told we're going to be flown to Damascus the next day and then British Airways are going to pick us up, that's fine, good that's alright, that's good, we'll get home Uh, we thought it was strange we couldn't get through, nobody could get through to their families to tell them what was going on well we did get to to Damascus but we put under house arrest in this place, um, Alan, Alan Vincent and I had to toss a coin because we only had one bed. And one of us had to have the springs and the other would have the mattress. So I got the springs. <laughs> Do you know what? I knew. I knew. I knew. I said, God, 
I am going to cope with this. I'm coming through. <laughs> I had a toothbrush. No clothes, no nothing. I, I did get some favours because I do like to make friends and somebody that was looking after us, there was a pool there and I managed to get a pair of, pair of trunks because some of them went skinny dipping late at night but I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I'll, uh, I'll try. And then this guy said to me, would you like to see the street called Straight and go to the Silver Market and the Great Mosque? I said, well, we can't. They've taken our passport. He said, for five pounds, I've got a friend who's got a bus. Twenty people. I said, fine. I charged the tenner, so I made on it as well. And then we went out and we had, we had all this. And I tell you what, and then I'm preparing for the Downs Bible Week. That's how long ago it was. My notes. And people were coming saying, what are you doing? Studying the Bible. Can you talk to us? I tell you what. And, and I was eating alive, wasn't I? Soon when I came and my legs was, but you know what? I, I went through it. And I went through it cheerfully. And maybe that's your experience. Count it all joy, brethren. <laughs> that, 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 that is hard, isn't it? Yes. yes. And maybe there's some of you here this morning, particularly some younger ones. And uh, when I mean younger, I'm talking about people in their 20s and what have you. That you haven't come to that place yet. You've been coming to this this, this uh, lovely fellowship here, and 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 you've never really come to that place yet of of being where I had to be, where I said to Jesus, "Next time, I'm going to be with you on this." Maybe you need to say that for the first time in your life, Jesus, count me in. I'm with you. You've been listening to me and you think, actually, what that guy says makes sense. Not everybody says that. <laughs> that guy makes sense. Well, if I've made sense to you and in your heart, you know, yeah, I need to do something. I need to say something to God. Because he'll take you at your word as much as you can take him. And if there's any, I don't make appeals very often. I just don't do that. Because I... God's going to get you anyway it's just the timing that you have any control over so who wants to grow in faith oh not many hands now is there not quite well let's just say to God let's do what the disciples said let's just say as a church this morning God increase my faith Okay, and then when you panic, remember Ray Lowe. I panic as well. It's panicking is not the issue. It's that God, God takes you through, and you think, God, you're so faithful. <laughs> Should we do that? Let's just let's just bow our heads. Let's just ch- chat to God for a moment. Anybody feel this has been relevant to them this morning? Yeah. Okay, it's certainly relevant to me. I'm I'm with you on this one. I'm just up here so you can see me. Lord Jesus, we do thank you so much. We just love you, Lord. Lord, the fact that you would, you delighted to do the Father's will. No wonder the Father said, this is my boy, I'm so pleased with him. (laughs) Knowing that you were going to go to an awful cross so you could bring us back to the Father and we could live a life just like you did and Lord we're struggling some of us, some struggling at times 
Others are struggling, but that doesn't seem to bother you, Lord. Because you have the resources. And we come to you now and say, Lord, increase our faith. And Lord, when we are having to face things which are tough, like this family have done, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will bring back to our memory these scriptures, these stories. Knowing that, Lord, as we as we put our trust in you, as we struggle through and perhaps don't do it so good, but that doesn't matter, Lord, we get through. Lord Jesus, we get through and then you take us to the next level of faith. And, Lord, that's what we want because we want to please the Father yes. just like you did, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, we just thank you for who you are. Holy Spirit, minister to us this week. Bring back truths to our memory. Promises that we can get hold of and live by. (laughs) And thank you for that encounter with Bert Lancaster, Lord. That was a divine appointment for me. Son, it's life. (laughs) Lord, you would say that to us, my children. It's life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. 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 Amen.